0: Sasha. Hey, Courtney.
1: What do you call a gargoyle with spring allergies? I don't know. A snot-goyle? <laughs> I mean, maybe, but I was thinking a statue. Gazintite. <laughs> it's spoop hour.
0: Welcome back to Spoop Hour, a paranormal comedy podcast hosted by two Halloweenies. This is Sasha.
1: This is Courtney. And we're having a real one over here. Yeah. You know. But before
0: we go into our real one, remember that you can find us online on Twitter and Instagram at Spoop Hour. And you can also email us your spooky stories, your questions, your thoughts about the episodes to SpoopHour at gmail.com. Yeah, yeah, but we are having a real one over here. We are
1: having a real one over here. <laughs> but I, guess what? What? I got to see you yesterday. You did, and we I did, did a very, like, Marx Brothers move on accident. So yes. <laughs> I had games that Sasha was going to take, and you swung by yesterday. Mm-hmm. And the way the front of my house is, is we have glass for part of our front door and then we have two windows like right next to it that open out onto the patio so sasha texts being like hey i'm here and i'm like oh goody so i get up from doing my puzzle at the dining room table and i like walk over and you were by the front door window when i defaulted to going to like the living room side window so then I switched over like, oh, she's over there. I'll just go over. So I switched over. At the same time, apparently, you switched over. Mm-hmm. Because then I was leaning out the front door, and I was like, where'd Sasha go? And you presumably were looking inside my yeah, house. Yeah, and I was like, like
0: where did Courtney... Because I saw you at your table, and I was, like, waving. And then I was <laughs> waiting at the front door. <laughs> just- and, then we and there's just this, like, nice... nice- Brick column mm-hmm. that is like the size of a person. So mm-hmm. both of us had our bodies behind that yep. brick column.
1: Yep. So we just kind of, you know, we did a flipty floop
0: like was really twice, cute. and then I we was figured out. It was very happy to out.
1: see you. It was good to see you too. <laughs> yeah. And soon-ish, like in the next, you know, month or two theoretically, both of our households will be fully vaccinated, mm-hmm. we might be able to go back to recording in person together. Yes. One can of our even Patreon imagine?
0: supporters suggest- and beloved friend of ours, Teresa, <laughs> suggested that we do a bonus episode about cicadas. Yes. And I'm like, I'll do a real episode about cicadas.
1: Right? Like, what could be spookier than the arrival we of We can record it together outdoors
0: <laughs> in, in the like... midst of all the cicada noise. <laughs>
1: I feel like I should clarify. Teresa is listening and she's like, I absolutely did not say that. She and I were talking about cicadas, and then I was like, we should do cicada cone. And she was like, do not include a visual component because I will not watch it. Okay, really now I understand. Not like the but also,
0: Thank you but for also, your support, Teresa. <laughs> yes, yeah,
1: so I feel like we could do, like, if you want to hear us wax poetic about the arrival of Brood if you aren't aware, I don't know if it's national news, but it's definitely local news if you're in the DMV area. But basically, every 17 years, we get mm-hmm. this. They're called Brood It's just this big-ass swarm of cicadas comes out the ground. And you're like, oh, but Courtney, I'm from the Midwest. We have cicadas here every summer. Like, we do, too. But... Yeah. Brood X is a breed unto itself. Like, you you have not experienced cicadas until you have experienced Brood X. Like, they are everywhere, and it yeah. is amazing.
0: The last time this happened, I was, it was the spring of my eighth grade year and like yeah, spring of I your was, ninth grade year. I was in ninth 2004. Grade, yeah. yeah. And like, it, this, It's the kind of thing where, like, outdoor animals and, Mm -hmm. like, pet dogs will eat so many cicadas Mm -hmm. that they go into food comas. Like, they will eat and
1: then pass out.
0: And not because the cicadas are toxic. It's because the cicadas are plentiful. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And it's just, like, straight protein. Yeah. So they're just, like, like, hulking out and then, like, passing out. (laughs)
0: Yeah, my friend Sam and I in eighth grade, we were out d- outside for gym class on the track and she and I would like try to pick up the cicadas basically in vain yeah. to get them off of the track so we wouldn't have to like risk Crunchy. stepping on them. And then meanwhile, like all the other boys and girls, okay, the boys were like, oh, we're going to pick these up at each other and like peg each other with them. And the girls yeah. were like, Ew, how can you touch them? And it's like, mm. They're they're literally like these giant harmless things. Yeah, that just like, like if you just kind of pinch them, you can move them and it doesn't hurt them.
1: Yeah. So I, I'm
0: a big cicada apologist. I yeah, love them so I, much.
1: I like them. I'm not as I'm not as much of a cicada apologist as you are. Like you love them to a degree that I don't think I love them. Like yeah. I do like them, <laughs> but you just like you have this beautiful passion for them and I love it. But I remember it started for me as kind of like. I'm not going to be like the other girls. I'm going to be like a cool girl and be unfazed by the cicadas. <laughs> but then like, I don't know if like I started out this way or if it just evolved into me being like, no, these are genuinely pretty. Neat. Like they yeah. have weird red eyes and like they would land on me and people would be like, oh I got it. I'm like, no, it's fine. They're just, you know, it's just They're hanging, hanging out. out. He just wants yeah. to be my buddy. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And the problem I had is there are so many, like you talk about like scooping them off the track. It is hard to walk outside without mm-hmm. stepping on either a shell or on a cicada. So I remember, like, I would get dropped off. I carpooled with a friend to school at that point, And her mom would drop me off in the driveway of my house. And then I'd have to go to the front door. And I just remember, like, this complex ballet I had to yeah, do. Yeah, tiptoeing like,
0: through your driveway. Yeah, to, like,
1: <laughs> leap through the driveway and then leap across the sidewalk not to step on them. Because I resolved, yeah. I was like, I don't want to step on them. Like, it's it's not their fault that they're everywhere. Like, mm-hmm. But they are everywhere. We're not talking, like, standard summer noise cicadas. It is genuinely
0: hundred decibels outside it's, it's
1: just. there's so many cities. so when we do cicada codes maybe there will be an optional no visual component just so you can get <sighs> an understanding but maybe we'll just like hang out in your backyard or my backyard and just like record yeah. about cicadas because we should be vaccinated at that point they should be emerging in what like two weeks
0: yeah pretty soon yeah. I've been doing a lot of gardening and yard work and the little holes
1: mm-hmm.
0: are appearing oh, where yeah, so they're starting they're, to- they're ready to they're ready to or getting ready to emerge. They yeah. they're just not ready yet, but they've like dug the holes to the surface mm-hmm. so they can start like preparing. So there are these like dime-sized holes <laughs> in my yard <laughs> and like I've been digging out a path and so like, we've been just kind of throwing dirt over to make, like, a hill to help with the runoff, and yeah. even through that, like, some of the holes we accidentally covered, now the hole has come up through, come back like, up, the, yeah. Like, and
1: so, excuse you. yeah, and so, yeah, and, like, their life cycle, they've got it figured out, because they come mm-hmm. out once every 17 years, which, like, hashtag jealous, mm-hmm. they scream, they bone, jealous and then they die. So like, yes. So like, the ones that are chilling in the ground now are the ones that were conceived 17 years ago. What a life. What a life. That's incredible. And like, they genuinely they're only out for what, like two months. I feel like they emerged in like April, when they came out last. And I feel like by like, when school was out, they were gone. Yeah. But, but then,
0: like, the normal annual cicadas were yeah. out, so it just, like, never really goes away that Yeah, but, summer. like, the
1: annual cicadas, it's not, it's it's not, not a not as loud. of them. It's like, you'll see, like, maybe one a day, whereas this one, you're gonna see, like, 30 a day. There was one point, I remember, two senior dudes, I think, got into a fight, and one of them smashed a bag of cicadas in the other one's face inside the building so then they were inside the school building and I was like trying to get to class and I was like oh my god I have to avoid them inside too (laughs) so in 2017
0: Mm -hmm. there was a little bit of an early emergence four years ahead of schedule where some of the cicadas came out a little too early Mm -hmm. and so there was a pretty brood a pretty big brood that time but not as big as like brood uh, brood x but like Still, some some emerged early. And so WAMU, our local NPR station, put out a story that was called What's Behind D.C.'s Cicada Sightings? Maybe Climate Change and the Internet. And if you scroll through the article... One of my favorite Sasha stories. (laughs) (laughs) Sasha Redacted, who lives in Alexandria, Virginia, has been (laughs) fond of cicadas ever since she was a kid. She was surprised to spot them at her parents' house over Mother's Day weekend. And then they interviewed me for a little bit. there was a longer interview that didn't make it into the radio version or into the actual article. Because we did talk a lot about, like, other things about it. So I just have, like, a one-sentence blurb in this article. But I am known as a cicada enthusiast. My
1: favorite thing about the one-sentence blurb they chose about you is they gave your, like... PR reason for liking cicadas, which is they come out and they remind me of summers in my childhood, and you know, their wings glitter like jewels in the light. Like, you say something to that effect, but the real reason, the reason that I know because I'm your friend, is because (laughs) they come out once every 17 years and just scream into the (laughs) night. Yeah, (laughs) that's the real reason. (laughs) That's the real
0: reason. So, yeah, I'm really excited for the cicadas, and I'm excited for us to possibly get together IRL and record together since we haven't done that in like 13 months at least yeah Yeah. and
1: (laughs) if you need a quick summary obviously this was not a quick summary but if you just want like a little TikTok summary of what's about to happen in the DC metro area the Washington Post guy Washington Post TikTok guy Dave (laughs) Jorgensen did a video about it where like he plays two guys and one of them's like haha yeah that'd be crazy right and he's like no no this is a this is a real thing that's gonna happen like it's amazing.
0: Yeah, a lot of my adult friends who have spouses or partners who are not from this area mm-hmm. are like, "You guys uh-huh. don't know." Like they, they're like that TikTok is exactly what my conversations with my partner is like because yeah, people from out of this area don't believe in it. If you weren't in this
1: area in two thousand four, you, you don't, don't know. know. <laughs> yeah, my partner was living in New Jersey in 2004 Mm -hmm. and he was from texas before that so like obviously they get cicadas in texas Mm -hmm. and i'm like not like this you know it is a whole different ball (laughs) i don't think jack was here yet
0: oh wait no he was he was here in middle school so yeah i think he was here maybe
1: yeah but but yeah like it's gonna be something bananas i'm so excited so that's the spooky thing that's coming for us so i'm excited I'm curious to see how the city gets them, because obviously we don't have a lot of green space here. Mm-hmm. But I would imagine they're still everywhere, because they, oh, yeah. they get mm-hmm. everywhere. But like, I'm just curious to see, like our yard, I call it a yard, it's like we have a patch of mulch and we have a patch of gravel. That's our yard. But like, yeah. they could get under there. There's yeah, I was no reason say, they can't.
0: I, I walked around your neighborhood a little bit yesterday, yeah. and yeah, there, there's I think, are some places that you're going to get them. And also, yeah. if they're not necessarily
1: coming up from the ground in your area They'll they might fly, fly over, over. mhm mm-hmm. yeah they're going to they're going to do the standard dc metro area commute which is they're going to come in from nova and they're going to just drive to dc in the morning <laughs> and they're going to work their 9 to 5 screaming <laughs> ah! Ah! speaking of screaming did anything spooky happen to you this week oh shit yeah did anything spooky happen to me this week i'm sure there
0: was I, I've been having a lot of nightmares lately, but Same. that's neither here nor there because I always have nightmares.
1: I've gotten a new flavor of stress dream, which <sighs> is attending the wedding of someone I don't know very well who expects me to be involved and is angry that I wasn't prepared. Oh no! Like in that's my a one last night, it, it was a girl that I knew in high school. We we weren't even really friends in high school. We were like acquaintances, and we ran in similar circles. But I dreamt that I was at her wedding, and she wanted everyone to paint onesies. And I was supposed to organize the onesie painting, and so, like, I had been camping with my parents, and she came and got me and was like, why haven't you set this up yet? And I was like, why haven't I set what up yet? What are you talking about? And oh, I, like, no. wasn't wearing clothing appropriate for a <sighs> wedding. And I was, like, trying to lay things out and also trying to paint my onesie and color in my onesie with Sharpies and, like. Is this um, like a baby onesie? Yeah, it was, like, a baby onesie. And, like, the one, it was, I will say, this was a cute onesie that, you know, I may have to make for one of the babies in my life. But, like, it had the shape of the state of Virginia, and then it had, like, native berries to the region. (laughs) And then underneath it, it said, let's get hiking local berries grown free or something like that. And it was, like, a little trailhead. It was was a pretty cute onesie design. But it was very ambitious of Dream Courtney to think that she was capable of it. But, like... That's so it was, funny, this was the but also stressful. Kind of, it was the second kind of nightmare. Another one I had, I was in, it was someone that I, that I knew from college that I didn't know all that well, where I was supposed to be like her bridesmaid, and I didn't know what I was supposed to do, and she got mad at me for stealing attention from her on the day of her wedding, because I was like, <laughs> what is happening? I don't... I don't- know what's I don't happening. know what's going on and you're mad at me because I, I don't know like what the fuck I'm supposed to do but I'm like your maid of honor which is weird, weird and I don't have a maid of honor dress and I'm trying to find something that's kind of the same color. I don't know. Yeah. It's a mess. <laughs> Man. Anyway, you were sad. I don't know. I can't Think of anything off the top of my head, but the other
0: day, so I have this like really loud radiator in my classroom, and I've complained mm-hmm. about this a million times to you probably already. Yes,
1: but but it's been over a year since you have, so but let's it's been do over it.
0: a year that I that I've had to deal with this fucking loud radiator in my classroom. Nature is healing. <laughs> Nature is healing. But I had a meeting with like an admin type at my school this week, and but she was like, "Is it always this loud?" And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, I don't know what the deal with it is." And then it clicked off, and I was like what the fuck and she like looked at me and i was like i don't know what happened because usually it doesn't click off until like 4 p.m yeah or, like like basically when they're like okay teachers get out of the building it clicks yeah. off and both of us are like what the
1: yeah that's because <laughs> yeah. you're developing a superpower that just has to do with that radiator and these yeah. are the early maybe if i just signs. like tell it
0: like just like shut the fuck up and like yeah. see if it'll turn
1: off yeah
0: yeah that's good yeah Anyway, what are we talking about today?
1: Oh, <laughs> do you want me to tell you this? You that oh, yeah, what time? happened to Sorry. you besides the scary dream? Yeah. So, context, I was in, one, I like the modern trend of kids these days calling the pandemic anything but the pandemic. My oh, favorite panini. one has been the panacotta Or the Panera. So, yes, or the Panera. <laughs> so I've been in a particularly bad, like, panna cotta hole this week. Like, this was just a rough planetarium week for me. The plantains. Oh, I love plantains. (laughs) I'm not going to do that to plantains. Basically, in terms of, like, where I'm at with the peanut brittle, it just, you know, kind of a confluence of things where I'm, like, it's been over a year since I've done certain things, and, like, I'm sad, and, like, things are getting back to normal, but I don't know what normal's going to look like, and, like, Mm -hmm. is it going to be safe when everybody's, like, oh, summer's going to be normal. Is it? Like, I don't know. And, like, it's all of it. And then, like, just, like, personal work-life stuff was kind of a butt this week. So it's just – I've been in kind of, like, a perennial hole. Yeah. That's just, you know, general spooky Mm -hmm. thing. So part of that has been this, like, series of nightmares. But in one of them, it was last Tuesday, and I know this because I remember thinking, oh, my God, we're not recording Spoop Hour this week, and this would have been the perfect thing to talk about on Spoop Hour. In the nightmare, I felt like I was awake and I was in the house – and I was sitting at my dining room table and I went to get a glass of water and the glass of water moved away from me. And no. I turned to Jack in the dream and I was like, ha ha, spooky, a ghost took it. And he's like, haha, ghosts aren't real, which is what he always says. And then like the glass and several things started like full on mm-hmm. hovering off the no. table. And in the dream I was like. I don't have an explanation for this, and then I was like, "No, this is perfect to talk about on Spooper." I have to remember it. <laughs> oh my god! And then I've discovered—I think my refrigerator is haunted oh. because our refrigerator doesn't have a built-in like ice maker. Sure, but it—you know—the noise that ice <gasps> makers make. Yeah, our fridge makes that noise.
0: Ooh,
1: but there's no ice. <laughs> So it's just, like, a weird haunted, like, ghost so feature that what we don't I th- actually have. I think
0: is that you have a poltergeist who's just fucking with you.
1: Maybe. Which is entirely possible, because if you've watched, if you're on our Patreon and you watch the Bone Cone where I ghost hunt in this house, Lord P could be poltergeisty. He yeah. Is, he is a feisty Lord one. Lord P
0: is just like, you keep recording this podcast.
1: I told you I don't like it. I told so. you.
0: To stop recording this podcast. I want no part of this podcast. Let me scare the shit out of you using your refrigerator. Yep. <laughs> Have and you then- checked? Is your fridge running? You better you go check it, <laughs> idiot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and other, this was just the spooky, cute thing that happened this mm-hmm. morning. Zelda the podcat doesn't like to be, like, picked up. Like, Benedict likes to be held like a baby. Yeah. Zelda very much does not. But yeah, this same morning, she kept meowing at me, and I'm like, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And so finally, I just picked her up, because usually mm-hmm. that'll, like, shut her up, because she'll be like, I'm mad. And I just held her, and she just, like, sat there for a little bit and just purred, and she never likes that. Yeah. So... That was spooky.
0: Lately, Mona has been allowing me to pick her up, and then she just...
1: Yes, that's exactly what's up. She she was just purring and happy and just, like, hanging out on my chest.
0: I think today, Mona decided to let me pick her up and go... Because Mona, at some point in the middle of the night, Uh pulled down the entire treat shelf (laughs) from our... (laughs) From our little dogs and cat station and worked her way into a bag of kitty dental treats.
1: <laughs> well, at least her teeth are
0: clean. Yeah, at least her crimes. teeth are clean. But she was probably like,
1: I didn't do anything wrong, Mom. I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> does, does this seem like the face of a cat that would do crimes?
0: Jack took a photo of the crime scene took a photo of the ripped open bag that has, like, tiny, tiny teeth marks, (laughs) and then put two photos of the cat and the dog together, and then that meme of the woman trying to calculate with all the (laughs) (laughs) equations around her head. Yeah. And him trying to be like, which one of you did this? Because also last week, probably Mona, got into a sealed Tupperware with sweet potato pies, like little tarts, sweet potato tarts in it. And managed to eat all of the filling out of the little tarts and left the yeah, shells.
1: That, I was like, I don't know, getting into Tupperware in my experience is a dog behavior, but eating only the filling seems like a cat move. Yeah, the and dog like, would have eaten everything. The, the cat, the cat goes for what it wants. The
0: the chairs in the dining table were pushed in, and the dog can't jump onto the table without the assist of the chairs. Mm. And so it was like Mona cat. definitely just like leapt up here and was like. I am going to get into this, but now we're like, oh man! Like, Mona could like hop on a table, knock down like a box of donuts, and then the dog would be like, "Yay!
1: Yay! It's time for me!"
0: (laughs) And you know, yeah, they could they could crime together. Also, the dog stole a chicken bone off of my plate on Friday, and that was weird. But yeah, the two of them are such rascals,
1: and I'm like, I can't keep up with (laughs) y'all. In terms of crime, Benedict, so the spooky hotel that was originally bought for Zelda that she never really cared about, Benedict loves it, and we call Mm. it his feelings hotel. Because whenever (gasps) Zelda spurns his advances, he goes in there to, like, process his emotions. Mm -hmm. And we noticed a couple days ago that one toy, it's shaped like a snowman. And it's got like dangly ribbons. Uh-huh. We noticed that he had like brought it into the feelings hotel and like smushed it in the corner. So we joked that this is obviously his therapist that he's holding hostage in the <sighs> feelings hotel. Well, apparently he and his therapist were, you know, not seeing eye to eye on certain oh, no. things because I came down the stairs and I found this, and I'll post this on the Instagram, oh, no. but Benedict shoved his therapist snowman through a window of the <laughs> hotel, so I was what like, a, a crime has been committed here. He defenestrated his He did. You know, like, therapy's hard, and sometimes you're, like, talking about stuff, and you're like, I'm uncomfortable, because that's how it's working, is you're uncomfortable, and you're dealing with your stuff, but, you know, whom among us hasn't wanted to throw our therapist out of window, I guess, and then I guess Benedict just acted on it, so what, oh, are, we about today, what are we talking about today, Sasha? What are we
0: talking about today we are talking about gargoyles gargoyles and grotesques yes because and i love that they're called grotesques because like a lot of them are actually really cute and cool and fun like i have a statue little gargoyle from the national cathedral Mm -hmm. and it's a a little chimera and has has its little face hands on its face and it's doing the like home alone thing and it's like oh no (laughs) and i bought it when i was in like seventh grade from the cathedral and it's cute. And I think they're all really fun and stuff. And so we got on this topic because this earlier this week, I found a thread on Twitter, but it was put together by a user named iron at, iron underscore spike spike of iron circus comics um, a publisher and basically this is all about gargoyles and grotesques from pop culture and so spike basically quote tweets a trivia accounts post of the alien gargoyle added to scotland's paisley abbey in 1991 like the alien from alien with the teeth and the arms and yeah the one that pops out of your chest. and that, Yeah, like, yeah.
1: ah, hello, my baby, hello, my darling. Yeah, hello, my ragtime girl. Yeah.
0: And then Spike shared photos from the National Cathedral, which is in our area. Yes, and it's about
1: I've to get been... the shit slammed out of it by cicadas. Yeah,
0: about <laughs> to get the shit slammed out of it. They should make a c- c- cicada, little They grotesque. should make
1: a cicada yeah. gargoyle. Ugh, oh, everybody, contact great? your representatives, and the most important issue facing America right now <laughs> is adding a cicada-shaped cicadas gargoyle t- to the National Cathedral.
0: I've been a bunch of times, but I actually didn't know about... The these like pop culture weird kind of silly ones because a lot of them are high up and very easily missed so I'm like hoping to like kind of scope it out this spring like go and visit it but yeah I just was like really fascinated by this so I was like Courtney let's talk about gargoyles
1: Real quick, something yeah. spooky just happened to me. While you were Uh-oh. talking, I realized I had forgotten to put my phone in Do Not Disturb and it has a super loud vibrate, so I always like it in Do Not Disturb when we're recording. But, like, literally two seconds after I put it to Do Not Disturb, my coworker that I co paired the skeleton with texted me a YouTube link. That's spooky. Spooky. So, okay. <laughs> if we're going to be talking about gargoyles, would you like to learn about some gargoyle folklore and history before we dive I, into... I would love that. Okay. So you
0: tell me about the history, and I'll tell you about pop culture.
1: Great. So, this is coming from FolkloreThursday.com, AboutMythicalCreatures.Weebly.com, Wikipedia, give them some money, <laughs> TheWhiteGoddess.co.uk, AncientOrigins, RavenswoodCastle.com, Floss, and The Guardian. Hmm. So, which came first, gargoyles the architectural feature or gargoyles the monster? The answer may surprise you. It's the architectural feature. Hmm. Isn't that bananas? I learned that. I was yesterday years old when I learned that. Yeah. I did not know, like, we made gargoyles on the sides of buildings before they were, like, a folkloric monster. So that's so interesting. Let's get into it. So... Gargoyles grew in popularity at the start of the 12th century because that was when we kind of were seeing a Gothic-style building movement, and Gothic-style buildings needed help to keep their masonry from eroding, so they were mostly a targeted rain spout, so since they, they didn't have gutter systems like we have now. So water would collect from the roof, and then the gargoyle would have a channel carved down its back, and then it would the gargoyle's long neck would protrude far enough away from the building so that when it, like, barfed out its rain, it wouldn't dribble down the side of the building and erode the stonework. hmm So their grotesque visages were less for any aesthetic or mythological reasons, and they were mostly because they needed to stick out pretty far from the building, because, you know, if they were close to the building, the water would just go straight down the way water does, and then that's going to, like, mess with the stone, mess with the granite, whatever. hmm so, these architectural appendages, as they were sometimes called, were pretty common in Europe around this time. With Germany calling them Wasserspeier or water spitters, Italy called them Grandes Sporgente, and the Dutch called them Watherspeuer, which, which pretty much explains itself. <laughs> <laughs> but the English word gargoyle is derived from the French word gargouille. Gargouille, I think. I've sh- mentioned this word so many times that I didn't look up the pronunciation because I'm an idiot. It's so okay. That- In French, that means gullet or throat, so obviously gargoyles, are a recognizable feature in architecture is Mm -hmm. how long their necks are so that the water doesn't go down the side of the building. In English, they are sometimes called a grotesque chimera or boss, or even a hunky punk. Like (laughs) Regionally, there's something called a hunky punk. Isn't that adorable? That's adorable. Gargoyles around the world predate their presence in Europe, so that's where, like, 11th, 12th century, we did have, like, gargoyles as monsters appearing in mythology, but in ancient Egyptian and ancient Greek architecture, gargoyles existed, and they were typically shaped like lion's heads. Oh. So, fun fact, if you were to, you know, make the pan disappear for a little bit mm-hmm. and teleport over to the Temple of Zeus almost 40 of the original lion head water spouts remain. Originally, there were over 100, oh. but for the most part, they were made out of marble, which marble's pretty heavy, so over time, they cracked or broke off, and so they've been replaced, but 40, or I think it's 39 of them are mm-hmm. still intact from when they were originally built. Oh, wow. And then the oldest known gargoyle in the world is a stone crocodile in Turkey that was built 13,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. So, old AF. So, where does the gargoyle monster myth begin? It probably comes from an old French myth warning of la gargouille. In the myth, the town of Rouen is terrorized by a terrifying dragon that can swallow ships, breathe fire, and flood the town. Rui oh. has a long neck and bat-like wings, and the town was not a fan of its dragon-like antics.
0: Mm.
1: Around 600 BCE, a priest called Romanus rolled up and agreed to slay the dragon if the town converted to Christianity. Romanus's plan varies version to version. He either used a crucifix to subdue the creature, and like personally, I like to think he just like thwacked it over the head with the crucifix. Mm-hmm. But that's probably not in this version of lore, he probably was just like, look at this crucifix. And the dragon was like, whoa. Whoa. He also may have enlisted the help of the only volunteer who was a condemned man from the town or the most implausibly silly one. Romanus simply made the sign of the cross and the dragon was like, oh my bad. I didn't realize you could do that. I'm going (laughs) to leave this town alone now. (laughs) So in all versions of the story, whatever Romanus does to the dragon, he then leads the calmed dragon back into town and it is burnt at the stake. But the fire doesn't burn La Gargoye's head; like it, the head oh. remains intact and they can't do anything to destroy it. So right. the townspeople cut it off and attached it to their church, where it warded off evil and served as a warning for other dragons. Huh. So this is probably the oldest, like explicitly gargoyle esque myth. In Celtic history, you can see some variations on the gargoyle legend. Mm -hmm. The Celts believed that the heads of every animal they hunted contained magical abilities, attracted luck, and repelled evil, all of which could be determined by staring into the animal's eyes. So it was believed that, like, if you looked deep into their eyes, Mm -hmm. you would know, like, okay, you can attract luck. Okay, you can see the future. You can repel evil, whatever. So then once they successfully hunted their prey Mm -hmm. the celts would mount the head on a stick and place it outside their homes in a circle Mm -hmm. and eventually this practice evolved to see the heads hung directly on the outside of buildings to kind of protect the people Mm -hmm. within as a monster gargoyles are kind of an amalgamation of several other mythological beings the biggest influence in the modern gargoyle is the chimera which is the greek monster with the head of a lion the body of a goat and the tail of a dragon but other monstrous influences were somewhat lost to the incoming onslaught of Christianity because churches often mar- modeled their gargoyle features and thus gargoyle monster lore around creatures worshipped by pagan tribes. It's kind of that like classic Christianity move where mm-hmm. you take something pagan, you make it a little churchier, and then all the pagans are going to be like, oh, we can get down with this, and they're going to convert to Christianity. Right. And this is interesting for several reasons. One, a significant theme in a lot of pagan religions and rituals is fertility. So some gargoyles featured on old-timey churches are actually super suggestive. Oh. The most notably sexy gargoyle is the Sheila Nagig. This is the rabbit hole I fell down. Mm-hmm. So Sheila Nagigs are very crudely carved women found on the outside of churches in Ireland, Great Britain, France, and Spain. They're most common in Ireland, so if you're going to look it up, Ireland has a ton of them. hmm and when I say crude, I mean both in technique, they're pretty crudely carved, and in design. Boobies. This is a Sheila Nuggig on the outside of a church in Kilpeck, Herefordshire, England. Whoop. Oh,
0: she is just opening her vagina. She's just like, get on in there, <laughs> evil.
1: So I have, I, put in, I have seen that before and was like what the fuck <laughs> great news we're about to get into it I put in my Yay. notes am I going to derail my research here to talk about where Sheila Nugget comes from yes why is yes she clawing open her vagina <laughs> where she's just like whoop, whoop. airing that bad boy out <laughs> so this is super interesting I was in a rabbit hole last night I was very tired because I haven't been sleeping I was going to say you're in some kind of hole last night <laughs> I was in several kinds of hole last <laughs> night so. <laughs> Sheila on gigs on churches are mostly to ward off evil, so don't get excited about them, like, water gushing out of a crudely carved labia. Although, I think, personally, that would be very funny if they served as the, like, water spout feature. Like, that would be just oh, no. top tier for me. Oh, but, you no. know, churches don't consult me when they do their architecture. No, they
0: don't. They should be consulting so, us for everything. Usually,
1: I know. (laughs) Usually, Sheila nuggies are positioned over doors or windows so that evil spirits can't get in, and I put in my notes, I guess the logic is the evil spirit maybe goes in the wrong hole. I
0: was gonna say, it's like you're scaring off evil spirits with your lady bits. That's, like, fascinating.
1: Great that you should point that out because there is an 18th century illustration that supports that function where it's just to scare off demons. In the illustration called Nouveau Contes, a woman lifts her skirt and shows her genitals to a demon who is horrified. Like, we'll post a picture of it on the Instagram. But if you look it up, genuinely, the woman's just like cheekily lifting her skirt, and the demon's like, "Ooh." <laughs> so, so my
0: my thought here is like, you know how historically women have just always been like pushed aside, and mm-hmm. like everything about being a woman is like horrifying. And yep. I'm thinking especially about like the Puritans who are like, if you've ever had your period, you're a witch, and if you've yep. ever ha- thought about sex, you're a witch, and if you yep. have a vagina you are a, You're witch. a witch. You know, I'm just thinking about like, <laughs> ah, yes, the vagina, the most evil of things.
1: <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> that, check off the, the concept <laughs> of vaginas as evil things and the evil eye because we're gonna get into it more oh, in a second. My God. So, just real quick, occasionally Shilana gigs are still used as a fertility symbol, so they'll be carved into birthing stones and given to women in labor. They have sometimes been incorporated into wedding traditions where they are shown to the bride on her wedding day. It's unclear why it's just, I think it's just like a fertility, like, she'll be extra fertile and then she can give babies to people because that's all people want. Some Shilana gigs are even depicted in sexual poses with a partner for that aspect of fertility, just like... Hmm may your sexy times work right and then babies come out yeah so we're
0: talking about heterosexual visions of the church (laughs) Put the p in the v
1: (laughs) speaking of heterosexual visions of the church the origin of the shilana gigs is somewhat (laughs) disputed some Mm -hmm. say it's the result of anglo-norman conquest in the 12th century while others suggest that the shilana gig was originally a pagan goddess huh So for the former theory, it's believed that the Sheila Nuggigs provocative pose represents women's lust, which is obviously both hideous and a sin. Thus, its corrupting influence will distract evil spirits from the church and remind the womenfolk not to get any funny ideas about enjoying their bodies. So Mm. if they are this kind of function of Anglo-Norman invasion, like, there are some scholars who say that, like, people who are native to Ireland, like, kind of first-gen Irish lore or whatever, Mm -hmm. you don't see Sheila Nuggigs in places that were, p- remained pretty just, like, Irish from the get. You only see them in places where Anglo-Norman conquests came in.
0: Oh. So
1: that may be why, like, their function is explicitly to be like, see, women, look how grotesque your body is. Yeah. It's disgusting. Don't fucking do it, you gross trash monster. Mm-hmm. But... Dr. Barbara Freitag argues in her book about Sheila Na that this use is absurd. After all, many of the Sheilas are so high up on churches, you can't easily see them with the naked eye. So who exactly are they warning off? Like, if, if you're walking into church and you don't know that there's this, like, crude figure, like, prying open its vagina to be like, hello, world. Yeah. That's not going to scare you off from, like, exploring your own body or being right. comfortable in your own body. Because you can't see it. Mm-hmm. So... Sus, for that theory. In the latter theory, Sheila Nagig is likely the last holdout of a pre-Christian mother goddess or goddess of fertility. The most probable suspect is Kaliach, an Irish and Scottish divine hag and ancestor, who is responsible for creating landscapes, storms, and winter. Though some representations have her responsible for all weather. So kind of that, like, Mother Earth vibe, but specifically yeah. in summer incarnation, Mother Earth is an old hag, which I love. As yeah. an old hag myself. <laughs> Other possible culprits include a lustful hag who could grant kingship to anyone who accepted her lascivious advances. So basically, this is an old hag who goes around and he's and she's like, who wants some, boys?" <laughs> and anybody who was like, yeah, I'll take some. Once they had sex with her, the hag would transform into a beautiful maiden who would crown him and bless his reign. So if you have sex with the old hag, you become a king. And she becomes a hot young woman. And I love this as an inversion of, like, slut-shamey myth where it's like, yeah. ew, gross, you had sex with a young woman and now she's a gross old crone that nobody likes and we have no use for her. Instead, it's like, uh, she started off kind of gross, but, you know, old lady's got needs, too. And then you bone her and, boom, she's super hot now. <laughs> it's
0: like like Beauty and the Beast.
1: hmm <laughs> <laughs> But, like, an X-rated version of Beauty and the Beast where you bone <laughs> the chimera and it, it gets better. Yeah. So I just I just love that. The idea that like if an old lady approaches you and is like, hey, you wanna have sex? You should say yes because she might turn you into a kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope there was just some clever older lady. So I in this context, old probably means like twenty-eight, let's be yeah, real. Yeah, I
0: was gonna say, like, we're old. Yeah, in this we're context. old. So,
1: you know, 30-year-old woman goes up to some young buck in the bar who's 29 and a half and is like, <laughs> hey, you wanna go back to my place, and then, like, that wasn't getting her anywhere because they were like, ew, gross, old crone. And so instead she's like, I'm going to start this rumor that if you have sex, sex with, with me, you me, become a be king. king. <laughs> so, in which case, respect. So, some scholars split the difference between these two theories and say that both origins are correct depending on the style of Sheila. So it's, a, it's mm-hmm. an instance where you see kind of two similar mythological ideas that kind of get, like, smooshed together mm-hmm. in a sexy way. Some Sheilas on churches are turned on their side, suggesting that they were retconned into Christian churches from existing pagan structures. So those are probably more the Anglo-Norman influence, where, like, mm-hmm. they maybe started out as a fertility goddess, and then they just kind of got shoehorned into being like, Ew, gross, women are yucky, don't touch yourselves, it's a sin, whatever. Yeah. Weirdly, there isn't really a dude equivalent to Sheila gigs. There are a few, sometimes called Sean the gigs, mostly uh-huh. on continental Europe and less so in Ireland. So you'll mostly see Sheila's in Ireland. Sometimes on the continent, you'll see these kind of like Sean the gigs, who usually have like a comically large phallus, like. Whoa, Whoa. The Guardian article that I was reading about this was called The Embodiment of Big Vagina Energy. (laughs) So, (sighs) kind of the Sean Nagig is the big dick energy version. Oh my god, that's so funny. The name Sheila Nagig is believed to be derived from Irish for Julia of the Breasts or Old Hag of the Breast," But there's some debate about this too, because traditionally Sheila Nagigs are not depicted as having breasts. It's all about that, like, pried open giant labia. Interesting. So... Over there again, I told you, I went down a rabbit hole with this. I was like, yeah. this is fucking incredible. I never want to stop reading about this. Over their long and illustrious history, the Sheila Gig has been reclaimed by feminism, particularly as a rebellion against the concept that women's sexuality is inherently sinful and to be avoided at all costs. Mm. Sheila Gig, in this context is used as an empowering figure too, as Lizmar Gonzalez Arias argues encourage contemporary women to stop perceiving their own corporeality as a heavy, awkward, and shameful burden of guilt. This is badass. I right? love it. Sheila Gig has also become the emblem of Irish feminism in some circles, hmm. representing hope, change, and an unapologetic sexuality to rebel against misogyny. In March 2021... So, like, a couple weeks ago, the Guardian article was published on March 8th. Mm-hmm. An anonymous ceramicist started Project Sheila to reclaim the power of the Sheila gig. New Sheilas, made out of clay with a 22 karat gold-lustered labia and glazed vulva, have been placed in sites significant to the women's movement in Ireland. One such site is outside of a former state-slash-Catholic church-run mother-and-baby home Mm -hmm. on Sean McDermott Street in Dublin. So, just, like, some historical context, if you're not Mm -hmm. aware. The mother-and-baby homes are considered this, like, great national shame of Ireland. Some of the atrocities are still coming to light, even though it's 2021.
0: It was was really big in the news just a couple of months ago.
1: Yeah, because the Irish government is debating, I believe, whether or not to recognize that we Mm -hmm. fucked up. These were horrible things. Because basically unwed mothers and their children were placed in these so-called mother and baby homes and because the nuns there believed that these women were evil because they gave into the pleasures of the flesh, they explored their own sexuality and now they have a baby they were horrifically mistreated. There Mm -hmm. are mass graves and other upsetting things associated with these mother and baby homes Mm -hmm. to the point where even my beloved hosier has been outspoken about, you know, this is a national shame of Ireland, it needs Mm -hmm. to be addressed. It's still coming to light now. So, the spokesperson behind Project Sheila, who wanted to remain anonymous when they talked to The Guardian, says that the movement wants to honor the women who suffered in these homes, which were created as a result of Catholicism decrying women's sexuality as dangerous and sinful. Because of, and I put it in my notes, because of the Panicata, the project has been pretty limited to Dublin, but Project Sheila wants to eventually expand their efforts to other cities. So, if you live in Ireland, If you're anywhere near Dublin, you could potentially go into the city and find, like, I'll post a picture on the Instagram. It is, Mm -hmm. it's a really unique looking structure. And, like, when they say they're, like, 24 karat Mm gold-laced, they are. So the one that's outside the specific mother and baby home is that one. Oh, wow. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and so it'll be labeled, you know project sheila mm-hmm. so yeah that's just something cool anyway back to regularly gar- regularly scheduled, scheduled gargoyles. gargoyles like i did not expect when i started this that i would find a new feminist icon to throw myself behind but yeah but here we are Here we are mm-hmm. what a time to be alive so the other interesting thing about the pagan origin of gargoyles as creatures is that they are not necessarily monsters they may just be grotesque angels mm-hmm Some scholars posit that folklore has gargoyles as protective figures who come to life at night when people are asleep and vulnerable and fly around villages to make sure no harm comes to those living there. Hmm. These gargoyles then resume their position on the church during the day where their fearsome faces scare off any beasts. Folklorist Catherine Briggs suggests that the gargoyle, like church bells and the weathercock, are one of three known defenses against the devil. So not, in fact, a demonic monster, but they're actually something that is kind of a guardian angel that's keeping yeah. the devil away. While originally the Christian church may have been using gargoyles as a way to remind people that hell existed and, like, scare them into going to church, like, mm-hmm. look at this horrible monster. If you don't straighten up and fly right, this thing's going to get you. Its use kind of evolved into a, quote, sort of sacred scarecrow to mm-hmm. protect holy places and parishioners. Yeah, This lore has become so prevalent that the Notre Dame gargoyles have a reputation for doing more than just protecting churchgoers. They also keep a watchful eye on the Seine to stop people from drowning.
0: Oh, wow. I'm going to Chekhov's gun, the gargoyles at the Notre Dame. Great. So, and them being protections and stuff. Yeah.
1: Okay, cool. Real quick. It's not all hot, happy, fluffy, soft, squishy lore for gargoyles. Sure. <laughs> they have horrifying faces. Sometimes they're considered kind of like a portrait of Dorian Gray situation. Yeah. In this function, the gargoyle is a demonic vessel or physical embodiment of evil that can be imbued with either a human soul, a straight-up demon, or serve as a physical manifestation of an undesirable trait by their creator. Jesus. (laughs) One example of the latter is seen in Maker of the Gargoyles, which is a Pulp Fiction short story by Clark Ashton Smith. Mm -hmm. In it, a medieval stonemason carves while very angry, which you should never do, don't Mm -hmm. carve when angry.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And he accidentally infuses his lust and hate into two gargoyles that attack his town. <gasps> Ultimately, when he tries to stop them, the creatures kill him. And that's how the short story ends. Spoilers. Oh, jeez. <laughs> You've also got the dragon sculpture slash gargoyle that comes to life to kill an archaeology professor in another pulp work, The Conjure Wife by Fritz Lang. I know The Conjure wow, Wife. Fact about The Conjure Wife, that is the story that inspired Spoop Hour's second favorite movie, Witch's Brew. Yeah. <laughs> so you remember that thing that comes out of the egg and Witch's Brew? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a gargoyle. It's a gargoyle. <laughs> So to sum Ooh, up the history of Gargoyles, in short, it's most likely lore that kind of got Marat Khan from needing a creatively designed water spout. Sure. They started as a way to scare people and remembering that hell is always there and, you know, eat mm-hmm. your vegetables and go to church. But then they kind of morphed into something more noble and well-intentioned, but mostly they just stayed grotesque. Thank you for reading my book report. <laughs> and for going down this rabbit hole with me. I got so excited about Sheila and Yanks.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. And, like, that does, you know, segue nicely into why pop culture gargoyles and grotesques exist now. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you were talking about, like, so many of... These original gargoyles and grotesques had these, like, you know, demonic grins and anthropomorphic shapes and, you know, they could either exemplify, like, concepts of evil and virtue Mm -hmm. or scare away the evil eye, keep, you know, cathedrals and castles sacred, you know, you take that and then you put it... In the 20th and 21st centuries, when a lot of these original chimeras, gargoyles, grotesques, you know, are starting to fall apart or show wear, because they're coming off of either ancient Gothic structures or 18th and 19th century, like, revival Gothic architecture, you know, places, Mm -hmm. because, you know, there's bad weather and lack of care and all that. So in more recent times, especially in the last, like, 30 to 40 years... I feel really old saying that because some of these things like <laughs> happened in like the early '90s when I was a baby, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm thirty. We're, we're
1: old hags, Sasha. We're, and we're old gonna hags. Find some dudes, and we're gonna make them kings, and it's fine. It's yeah. not a big deal.
0: Yesterday, I was helping my brother and dad out with something yard work related, and I was like in my 30 years of life on this earth and I had to stop there I was
1: like fuck Fuck. (laughs) see I yesterday I was it gets really warm in the guest room slash Mm -hmm. my office and so I got that like window film that makes it look like a mirror on the outside Mm -hmm. but on the inside it it helps keep things cool and I was putting it up on the windows yesterday and I'm so old that I think I pulled a muscle in like my armpit because I woke up and I'm like why am I sore I didn't work out yesterday so that's That's, yeah. In my 31 years on this planet. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a dusty old hag.
0: (laughs) So so in the last, like, 30 years of our existence... You know, these more modern stone carvers were asked to place these old structures. And so some stone carvers would copy the forms of the past very meticulously and do like more of like restoration rather than like addition. But there are other stone carvers who had ideas for like what gargoyles and grotesques could look like in a more modern context, especially since a lot of these facilities are still being used today as religious centers or museums or cultural you know places. And so basically these the modern pop culture inclusions do make sense because they're trying to think of like what is the modern idea of something that is scary and would like protect mm-hmm. a sacred church. So, National Cathedral like I mentioned earlier from Iron Spikes tweet was actually one of the first to experiment with gargoyle reinterpretation. So Darth Vader was the first one a- added, like, Darth Vader, like, dun, 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 to Star Wars, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, aware of, I know who Darth Vader is. Oh, I know who, you know, but I'm just making sure everyone knows. Like, like. so we're going from, like, Sheila and a gig to... Fucking Darth Vader. Darth
1: Vader. <laughs> <laughs> I like that your way of explaining who Darth Vader is, in case people are like, that sounds familiar, but I'm not sure you go. Da, 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 da,
0: da, da. <laughs> yeah. So Darth Vader was added as part of a children's contest by Amazing. National Geographic. So Christopher Rader, who was a 13 year old kid from Nebraska, created its design envisioning the Star Wars villain as a modern incarnation of Supreme Evil. It was sculpted by J. Hall Carpenter and carved by Patrick J. Plunkett. And you can find Anakin on the Washington Cathedral wearing his helmet on the first tiny peaked roof from the center pinnacle on the right hand side of the cathedral. There are 112 sculpted gargoyles and include some by an artist named Walter S. Arnold who saw the gargoyles as maybe portraying the specific hopes and fears of the era. And so he's got sculptures that are named things like the Crooked Politician and has like a gargoyle (laughs) spout coming out of his head. (laughs) The Fly Holding Raid Spray, which is literally like... This giant fly holding a can of Raid, like, ready to, you know, come after you. And then the high-tech pair, which is a pair of robots that are mimicking surveillance cameras.
1: Amazing. There is
0: also a raccoon. (gasps) which is really cute and is right next to Darth Vader (laughs) and there's a pacif there's a statue called pacifist and it's a man pressing like a gas mask up to his face and there's also a figure with a movie camera Yeah. At Chapelle de Bethlehem in France, in 1993, this late middle-aged chapel was subject to a renovation, and basically none of its gargoyles or grotesques had survived. So they decided to just replace them one by one. And they're trying to still keep the traditional symbolism attached to each of them, but some of them did get some modern spins. So the stone carver Jean-Louis Boistel, Bo- Boistel, <laughs> sure. uh, proposed to restore the, na- the traditional archetypes with modern ones, and ended up with twenty-eight culture grotesques. So the anime robot Grendizer became the image of a modern knight's righteousness. Gizmo from Gremlins, from gremlins? yeah, became the standard <laughs> for our good inner self, and his alter ego Gremlins were for the bad. So you can see there's like a bunch of Gremlin different gr- like grotesques from the movie, like all on this church. And then there's also the a representation of the Leviathan, who is the figure of the utmost chaos, and he was represented by the alien, like from. From Alien, Alien. yeah, <laughs> and basically the Geek Chapel wasn't initially popular with the villagers, like the local sure. villagers. But then all the youth were like, "Yeah, this is awesome!" And they like helped make it a reality. They were like, "Yeah, we'll help. We'll do whatever." And so like, awesome. it got like a lot of people really excited about like church restoration. At the Salamanca Cathedral in Spain in 1992, an astronaut tangled in floral motifs was added to the facade. So this isn't a grotesque, but it was still really cool, because they wanted to bridge the divide between, like, religion and science. Um, So basically saying, like, hey, both of these things can exist together. Then there's also Cathedral Saint-Jean, which, first off, has, like, a really cool astronomical clock, so... If you ever find yourself in France, go check it out. Sure. But during the renovation of this cathedral, stonemason Emmanuel Fauchet created a gargoyle figure after his construction manager, Ahmed Benzine as a token of their friendship and appreciation for his dedicated work. Ahmed is a veteran in historical renovation and has spent more than 30 years of his life r- storing religious structures in France. He's also Muslim. So conservative groups in France criticized the act saying that it was blasphemous, but then the archbishop was like, step off.
1: Like Bishop yeah, was like, fuck off. This is
0: fuck off. Yeah, he was saying that this is a meaningful act, especially of friendship, and underlined the fact that because of this extreme reaction from conservative groups, that shows like a lack of understanding of history and culture concerning the sculpted art and of the cathedral itself. And the church rector Chanois Michel Caco reminded the public that the elements adorning the outside of the cathedral were meant to re- represent the profane world in complexity. So mm. you're representing like all aspects of the world. And for this stonemason, it was like, I want to show my friendship and like like memorialize this like really great person who's helped us restore religious structures in France despite his different religious affiliations. So I thought that was really cool. That's nice. In 2010, a modern motif of a monster like the Earmouse, inspired oh, the by mouse Charles. That- yeah. The ear you're out? on this back, yeah, inspired yeah. by Dr. Charles Van Kanty's of Kanty's experiments was added to as a grotesque to St. George's Chapel at Windsor Castle. And so basically since th- th- in their mind they were like, well, you know if architecture is like a historical picture book, let's put this thing in here because it's kind like it's showing like weird things that have happened with science. <laughs> in Cirencester Par- Parish Church in England, Sirinchester, part parish in England. There is a stylized punk grotesque. So oh. it's like like very much like an 80s punk with like a mohawk and stuff on the side of that church. And then this one this last one is not necessarily new or modern, but I think it's funny. There is a at the Freiburg Minster in Germany. There is a defecating gargoyle. Yes. In which the water spout comes out of a man's butthole. So I want you to imagine right now, like if you are folded in half, like you're <laughs> bent over, touching your toes. Yep. But then, then like you rotate like ninety degrees, right? So okay. now you're like coming right off the building, and yeah. then there's a butt. There's a there's a spout coming out <laughs> of the butthole, and his butt is very round, coming out <laughs> of the side of a building.
1: I mean, if you're gonna put a butt up, you may as well make it a round butt.
0: Yeah, so I was just thinking when you are talking about, like, oh, yeah, these, like, spigots had to, like, be, like, very long and away from the building, this is a very good example of a man bent over with a hole, (laughs) with a literal butthole that spews water, so...
1: <laughs> That's amazing. Sheila Nagig could never. <laughs> How <laughs> no, dare you? Sheila Nagig no, would
0: love Nig- would love to be uh, up with that.
1: <laughs> yeah, Sheila Nagig and the butt Man are like The Buttman, yep.
0: There we go. So in terms of, so these are pop culture gargoyles. So what about gargoyles in pop culture? So sure. arguably, like, the two most famous gargoyles in pop culture actually come from Disney. <laughs> yep. There were there was the Gargoyles from the show Gargoyles, which was an animated series that aired on ABC from 1994 to 1997. They had 78 episodes. And the Gargoyles from the Disney animated film The Hunchback of Notre Dame in 1996. And it seems like from 1994 to 1997 <laughs> Disney was, was trying to make Gargoyles happen. <laughs> <laughs> So Gargoyles, the series, features a specific species of nocturnal car- creatures, known as gargoyles, that turn to stone during the day, and it, basically there's this clan of them led by someone named Goliath. In the year 994, the clan lives in a castle in medieval Scotland alongside humans, until many of them are killed by betrayal, and the remainder are magically frozen in stone until the castle rises above the clouds. Oh. A millennium later in 1994, billionaire David Xanatos purchases the gargoyles castle and has it reconstructed atop his new york city skyscraper which towers above the cr- clouds awakening the six remaining gargoyles sure and trying to just imagine
1: being that billionaire and being like i'm gonna build a cool castle and then being like holy shit there's monsters on it <laughs>
0: there's monsters on it so in trying to adjust to their new world they're aided by a sympathetic nypd detective named elisa and they quickly come into conflict with the p- plotting xanatos uh, so oh, I was, going to, I was going to say, billionaires are always bad. <laughs> That's true. why it starts with the letter B. If you, B is for if bad. you only one thing from
1: this episode, <laughs> it's that billionaires are always bad.
0: <laughs> and... So basically, like in addition to them trying to adjust to living in modern New York, th- it also incorporates other various supernatural threats to their safety in the world at large. The voice cast featured a bunch of alumni from Star Trek. Oh, including stars from Star Trek The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, the original series, specifically Nichelle Nichols, who played Uhura.
1: She was Whoa, one of the voice actresses. That's a huge get.
0: Yeah, at the Wrath of Khan and also Voyager. There were also a lot of many of a lot of Shakespearean characters and stories that found their ways into the storylines, including Macbeth and Midsummer Night's Dream. Which, as an English teacher, I'm like, that's pretty cool. I didn't watch Gargoyles <laughs> growing up, but I didn't either. I'm, I'm wondering if it's on Disney Plus because now I'm like. I have questions.
1: I, from what I remember, when I was little, I think my brother liked it, but I think I didn't mm-hmm. like the animation style as a kid. I was yeah. like, this is scary, I don't like it.
0: Yeah, I think I found it to be a little scary, and also, like, I think as, like, a little girl who was interested in, like, cuter things, yeah, I probably was like, mmm, that seems too boy That's not cute. Yeah, it's not cute. I didn't like don't that. I don't like it. And then... The gargoyles from *Hunchback of Notre Dame* were named Victor Hugo and Laverne. (laughs) (laughs) Laverne. Um, Victor and Hugo (laughs) were named after Victor Hugo, the author of *Notre Dame de Paris*, and Laverne was named after Laverne Andrews from the 1940s singing group, the Andrews Sisters. (laughs) Which is (laughs) one of
1: these things is not like the the others.
0: (laughs) But basically, when they were not act- interacting with Quasimodo, they d- took the appearance of lifeless, ordinary statues, and they called this their sleeping states. They are conscious during this time, but they're very strict about maintaining the appearance of normality to most. But since Quasimodo was forced to stay in the bell tower where they reside, they revealed to him their ability, and they befriended him for twenty years. They were basically some people see this as like maybe Quasimodo projecting onto them actually, and like different parts of his personality, and he they help him like through all of his different challenges. So they were, like, friendly gargoyles who are here to protect Quasi and help him get, you know, save Esmeralda and save Paris and get rid of that dastardly Frollo. Nah. Yeah, so these characters do appear in various Disney media, including House of Mouse, that was, like, the shit, a Hunchback of Notre Dame 2, a German musical adaptation of the film, wherein in that one and Hunchback 2... One of them I can't remember if it was Victor or Hugo, but one of them is revealed to actually be gay. Oh. Yeah. He he has a crush on another boy gargoyle. Cute. And then also the video game Epic Mickey. And And the video game Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance baby (laughs) of course (laughs) of course Kingdom Hearts I'm glad that you knew where I was going with
1: this as soon as I start talking about Disney and video games I'm like let's start the count when when are we mentioning Kingdom Hearts baby (laughs) so
0: they are in Dream Drop Distance which was originally a Nintendo 3DS game and then got ported to more modern TV console systems and I think it's a very fun game even though it's kind of corny but anyway the gargoyles just like they befriended quasimodo befriend sora and riku and encourage them both to help quasi and the people of france and they also can kick butt they like kicked a dream eater's ass because they're awesome because they can do that shit <laughs> and so like they can actually fight they don't fight alongside you but like they can hold their own so yeah very cool stuff I love gargoyles. I think they're cute. Now I'm like really motivated to go to National Cathedral and like you know, try to like, they they said like I read them. some articles like including so my research came mostly from like Atlas Obscura and Slate, mm-hmm. but they were saying that you should bring binoculars that because a lot of these are going to be up on the parapets to like like what you were saying before about like they're they're warding off spirits like bad spirits rather than trying to scare like the parishioners themselves so yeah yeah, definitely want to go check it out especially since and i dm'd the original tweet to you so you can see this picture of the raccoon and darth vader (laughs) i really want to see that
1: because they're friends i love it yeah all right well that's that's been gargoyles when it's safe to do stuff again, we should go to the National Cathedral. Mm-hmm. They also have, like,
0: up. a kick-ass garden, and it's just, like, so much fun. I have a lot of photos from when I was a kid, you know, going around there. I have never there. been
1: there, which really? is remarkable, because Jack used to live right by it, like, genuinely, oh, wow. like, a couple blocks from mm-hmm. it. And like, we should go to the National Cathedral, and then we just didn't.
0: Yeah, the last time I was over there was a few years ago, and I was there at <laughs> night, because they did this, like, light oh. projection thing inside the cathedral, So Mm -hmm. it's probably like two years ago, pre-pandemic, but it was... Jack just
1: yelled at me, he did not live by the National Cathedral, he He lived by the National Basilica. Yeah, that's I was going to say So that's why we didn't go to the National Cathedral. Cathedral,
0: because he (laughs) lived by the Basilica, which I've also been to. Weirdly enough, I've been to the Basilica with the same people I went to the Cathedral with. And again, it was just to tour it. Your church group. Not even church group. It was just more like an architecture <laughs> group. If you, if you know anything about me, I wasn't I, raised I as anything. Know. But but yeah, like it was the architecture there is just like really cool and the gardens are really cool. So that's like on my DC like to do list this summer along with yeah. the Arboretum. So yeah, really excited about that. Let's go.
1: Yeah, Let, let's do it. Let, yeah. Let's make a list of things we're going to do and see yeah. after the pandemic when it's actually like safe to go out yeah. in the Panera. So, you know, <laughs> in six to eight months. Yeah. (laughs) so yeah that's that's our talk of gargoyles what do you think have you seen a sheila in a gig have you seen the dude who's pooping out his butthole a bunch of water like what's your favorite gargoyle did you watch the disney show gargoyles were childhood us correct that it was kind of spooky and we didn't like it because it wasn't cute i remember from what, what I was thinking about Gargoyles, the show, I I got the same, like, feeling as childhood me as I did thinking about, like, Thundercats. Yeah. I also did not like Thundercats because I didn't like the animation style. I was like, this is ick. I don't like this. No. So I feel that. <laughs> yeah. But, like, did you like it? And if so, did you, like, Tell us you what you liked it? about it. <laughs> Tell us what you liked about it. What do you know about Gargoyles? Have you read The Conjure Wife because they did it on 33% Pulp? Are you gonna go back and listen to the episode of 33% pulp where we talk about Witches Brew, the best movie of all time? Cause well, it's second best. Our favorite movie, obviously, as a podcast, is what we do in the shadows. But yeah. close second is Witches Brew, which you yeah. can watch on you, YouTube.
0: If you don't know what bat guano is, you will.
1: <laughs> what part of the bat is
0: the guano? The guano. <laughs>
1: So, yeah, I did not expect this from Gargoyles. I was like, it's probably mostly going to be about, like, the stone structures and it's going to be your straightforward, like, medieval monster that we put on stuff because it's scary looking. But it turned out to be a lot more than I expected. So thanks, Gargoyles, and thank you for suggesting this topic, Sasha. You're very welcome.
0: Thank you, Twitter, for helping me in my endless, mindless scrolling hours.
1: Yay! So if if you have thoughts about gargoyles or anything share your thoughts with us email spoopower at gmail.com contact us on twitter or instagram our dms i think are always open yeah if i forget to get back to you i'm very sorry but you know my brain is mush so we do the best we can so yeah tell us about your gargoyles do you know what Brood X is? Has your news covered it? I genuinely don't know if it's, like, a national Yeah, I want to know
0: if anyone else is talking about it besides us.
1: Yeah, like, it's yeah. a huge deal here. Like, it's like, oh, Brood oh, X is here. coming. Oh, shit. So, anyway, yeah. thanks for listening. Thanks for continuing on in the, you know, 13th month of <laughs> the Panini. We appreciate you. We hope you're... Staying well and, you know, maybe put a vulva or a bud on the outside of your house. Do what your heart tells you.
0: Lisa Lucas from Best Forevers, a podcast for kindred spirits. I'd like to start a movement where we spend more time loving on our friends because although friends are important to us, they're often in the shadow of other relationships. So if you want to love on your friendships a little bit more, embrace friendship a little bit more, or just appreciate your friendships a little bit more, then this podcast is for you. We'll explore all the different ways friendships take place share the amazing stories of friendship, and discuss best practices for the difficulties that friends may experience. It's time to embrace friendships because without our friends, who would we be? So check out Best Forevers on iTunes, Stitcher, and all the other podcasting listening venues. And be sure to follow Best Forevers pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.